Here's the podcast Project Connection. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Connection, a Digital Alberta podcast. As always, I am your host, Corey Seller, aka SellerCast. We're going to rewind back to an industry panel that was hosted by Nate in partnership with Digital Alberta on November 17th for Career Month. Myself, along with fellow board members Jamie Humble from Vision Creative and Chris Hutchin Bright from Lethbridge College, each spoke about different topics to Nate students on how they could best navigate their career search. Jamie talked about how soft skills play in career success. Chris gave some of the benefits that LinkedIn provides for job hunting. And I discussed the importance of experience, whether it be paid or volunteer time. We were also joined by Steve Anderson and Aaron Connolly from Improbable, along with Tyler Butler from ATB Financial. Tyler shared his tips on how students can build a strong brand. Aaron gave his perspective on volunteering and networking in the midst of the pandemic. And Steve provided his advice on how graduates can get their foot in the door with big companies such as BioWare. So sit back, and if you're a student or a recent grad, I hope there's some takeaways that you can take from this. Also, check the show notes for some of the resources that were mentioned during the Q&A. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicole Bloom, and I work with Career Services at NEAT. Our area coordinates a bunch of different career development activities to support students and alumni with their career journeys. And this event is actually part of our Career Month initiative. So Career Month is a Canada-wide initiative that takes place in November. And we have over a dozen different sessions taking place this month to support our students with their career development and job search. The first question I actually have is for Chris. So Chris and I had um, a chance to connect a few weeks ago, and Chris talked a little bit about the importance of LinkedIn. I think we're both huge advocates for LinkedIn. So I'm hoping that you can share a bit about the main benefits that LinkedIn offers and how it can help students with their job search and career, especially amidst COVID. So LinkedIn is not the snazzy and exciting world of TikTok or uh, Instagram, but um, definitely LinkedIn for those of you who have not checked it out to the extent maybe that you maybe should, uh, there's a lot of great things about it. Uh, one of the things is that it, it can actually help build your resume from scratch. As you start entering more information about yourself and your career path, where you've been, and maybe where you'd like to go with your career, uh, there's actually a free opportunity as part of the LinkedIn profile where you can create that resume and then have it as an opportunity to then share it with your contacts. Uh, within that app. And what's cool also about LinkedIn is that you can start searching for jobs in your field and start looking for the type of experience that you may need or that you might already have. And just start to look for those people who are in the industry and start to find maybe either a mentor uh, in an individual that you may want to contact. And then you can set up that time to connect with them or even in the fact that you can start looking for groups that are talking about the same things that you are, that you're passionate about the same areas. So for example, my background is, is all over the place. Like I, I did my undergrad degree, yes, in communications, but then from there, uh, I worked in economic development and I was like responsible for encouraging renewable energy development in, in Southern Alberta. And that was very exciting to me at the time. And a lot of great opportunities kind of presented themselves for, for me to go to different conferences and, and to join different events. So uh, it's really a, a great tool because then you start to find people who are talking about the same things and you can start tagging other companies or different sectors that you'd like to explore. And some of the greatest traction that I get for putting posts in LinkedIn is that I, I usually do a regular blog and I am a board member with Digital Alberta. And so I regularly post about some innovative things that are happening within Alberta and some things uh, that are kind of moving the needle and, and having some great discussions about what that looks like. Um, so I, I've used LinkedIn for a lot of different things. I've, I've looked for job opportunities. I found groups where I have like-minded people who are passionate about the same things that I am, like uh, journalism. And then also um, a great thing, once you find a mentor or somebody through LinkedIn that can offer you some advice as you move through your career, you can start and um, asking for testimonials. And so that's a really exciting thing where if you get somebody who's really prominent in an organization and they've seen some of your work and you can demonstrate that to them, use those testimonials to really start building 
um, the capabilities and the opportunities for you to uh, either attend different events or in my case, I always like to go speak at different conferences based on some of the research that I'm doing or, or some of the material that I'm teaching. So um, that's a, a really quick snapshot where I went over a lot of different things, but uh, if you have other questions, I'd be happy to entertain them. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. And LinkedIn, I mean, we have sessions through career services that are an hour, an hour and a half in length. So there's a lot that you can cover. We do also offer one-on-one -on -one LinkedIn profile reviews. So you can always book appointments with us for that. But I want to go back, Chris, to one of the things you talked about was a mentor. And you talked about how you can use LinkedIn to potentially find a mentor. You talked about a little bit the value of having one but can you elaborate on from your perspective why having a mentor is valuable um, and any tips you have around approaching someone to be a mentor great so i've actually been a mentor to other people on linkedin who have looked been looking out actively for people in, in their field to give them some advice of where they'd like to go with their career but as far as uh, looking out or, or trying to connect with somebody, I, again, I think the biggest thing is to start finding a group that uh, is sharing your similar interests, whether that's in the same sector. So for example, let's just use uh, journalism as an example. So you start finding people who are journalists in the field and you might start looking for people who are working in a similar size community as yours, uh, or you might even look for people in your own backyard. So for example, if I was looking for journalists and looking for some feedback about some of the work that I've done as a journalist, I would contact say Global and CTV and uh, Lethbridge News Now and Bridge City News. Those are some of our media outlets here. Uh, Lethbridge Herald is our, our local paper. So there's a lot of different directions that I could go. And then even to reach out to all of them, and because everybody's so busy, just having that opportunity to reach out to all of them, see who gets back to you quickest, and then start to find out an opportunity where you can meet, obviously in this year, uh, be a Zoom call or something of that nature, or if they're actually comfortable to even meet with you just outside their business to have some conversations about how you could start showcasing some of your work and even to get that feedback about some of the work that you have done in that field and they can give you some of that active feedback. And I think you can start really building a great uh, and uh, powerful relationship that can help to build your career and, and make it go in a certain direction. So um, I, think, I think that's a great opportunity. And I know you might be really uncomfortable to have those initial conversations, but again, just uh, LinkedIn makes it incredibly easy to connect with these people um, that seems so far away. But uh, if, if you find the right individual is, is great, what, what can happen through those mentorship opportunities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of students are oftentimes nervous to reach out and, and ask someone to be their mentor or have a virtual coffee and, and share about their career. But the thing I always try to remind students is that everyone started where you are and more often than not, people are willing to help and they're happy to help and they love sharing their journey. So as a, as a student tuning in, definitely don't be afraid to use LinkedIn to connect. Before we move into Corey's question, I just want to touch briefly on freelance because I know we had quite a few questions around, you know, how do I get started as a freelancer? And I think that's a really big um, area of interest to students in the digital world. So LinkedIn, I would imagine, is also a great way to promote yourself as a freelancer. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as freelancing and, and just showing what you're capable of, I would I would use it as an opportunity to showcase the work that you're doing right now. So for example, that's why I do the regular blog posts to see, to show what I can do as far as writing and, and who I can connect with to put together an interesting story. I also showcase, for example, some things that if, if it's not me that's doing something that is in the field, it'd be something, again, that's really exciting that that maybe is, is a new discovery or a new tool, something like using Adobe InDesign in a new way to create a really powerful or compelling uh, document. And so again, just showcasing and posting about those uh, things that you've accomplished, um, you can do that in LinkedIn in a really efficient way. And then at least you can start um, having those discussions with people in your sector or your industry. And then you can get and solicit that feedback even in a really casual way that you you could, I guess, in Facebook, but really LinkedIn is, is more the right platform to start showcasing the work that you can do and soliciting that active feedback to, to keep that conversation going. 
Perfect. Thanks, Chris. So we're now going to move on to Corey. Um, so Corey, I know you said you just graduated four years ago, um, but you said it feels like it's been an eternity. So can you share the biggest lesson you've learned through your experience so far? And also one thing you wish you would have known when you first graduated? Thanks, Nicole. Um, I'm going to answer that second question first, uh, just because I, I don't feel like going in order. When it comes to the media industry, what's the one thing I wish I would have known when I graduated? A Honda CRV has a higher resale value than a Chevy Cruze. But when you have a week to buy your first car, find an apartment that's eight hours away in Northern BC, make a rental Ikea, pack and hit the road, only because I was starting, the, starting work the following Monday. But to be fair, <laughs> Chevy salesman did make a pretty good deals, so I went with the cruise. <laughs> what, what's the biggest lesson I've learned through my experiences so far? My career has not been a straight path at all. And I've only, I, after graduating in spring of 2017, I got a job in with Shaw TV and Prince George. I was looking forward to working with my coworkers, volunteers, and getting to know a new community. A week later, I'm sitting at my desk in the Shaw building. I'm on the phone with a few potential community producers about getting content produced for the channel. And they all tell me the same thing. Come back to us in three months. I was able to generate zero hours of new content for the channel through no fault of my own. And my boss seemed fine with that. Just keep at it, he said. So to stay busy, my role then evolved into a technician where I was ripping out cable from racks and putting together lighting trusses in our studio. This riveting work lasted about six weeks until I found myself having coffee with the news director at CKPG News. That conversation led to a job offer of an online journalist for the station, which I immediately accepted, of course. I was writing online articles, doing social media, and helping with the live stream for our noon and five o'clock news. In fact, Andy, the station engineer, and I set up the live stream from the ground up. As I sat there at my desk, sipping black coffee from my ckpgtoday.ca mug, adding the different audio and visual sources from the broadcast feed, I was trying to remember which class covered streaming using open broadcasting software. Um, yeah, let me think none, <laughs> but it had become part of my job and I was learning something. I was gaining experience. Even during my short stint with Shaw and my time at CKPG, I was building contacts, doing social media work as a volunteer for a grassroots esports company in PG and then with Digital Alberta remotely. February 2019 came around and I had an opportunity to move back to Edmonton to do video production and social media for Edmonton's Food Bank, where I currently work. And it's been a hell of a ride so far. As you can see, I've had a lot of left and right turns in my brief career. And the one thing I've never stopped doing is the volunteer work. Whether that's communications or community outreach, I've been lucky enough to do some contract work as a result of my volunteering. Contract work or freelancing, it's a huge reality across several industries, not just TV or radio. So experience is only gained through experiences, whether that's paid or volunteer time. So to answer, answer Nicole's question, that's it right there in a nutshell. What's the biggest lesson I've learned? Experience is only gained through experiences. Deny yourself those experiences and you are only diminishing your resume for future career growth. For Shaw TV, CKPG News, and Edmonton's Food Bank, I'm Corey Seller. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. Spoken like a, a true radio and television alum. I think I liked a couple of things that you talked about. So one is emphasizing that experience is experience. For students, whether you're getting experience volunteering or it's paid work, employers still value that and really look for the transferable skills. Um, also, don't be afraid to ask for, I like to call them like stretch projects. So if there's something that you are really wanting to learn about and get more experience with, don't be afraid to ask your employer or someone on your team if you could support with a project to gain exposure to that. 
The other thing I really liked is when you talked about your career path, you said it wasn't just straight and narrow, it was a little bit all over the place. And that's pretty typical. Um, it's not as linear as we would like our career paths to be. But one thing you talked about was kind of the importance of adaptability. And I think that we've all seen that with COVID specifically. And I keep saying to our students that Right now, we're definitely in an unprecedented time and it's tricky and you're having to complete some of your courses online, if not all of them, which I know for some is definitely challenging. But just reminding yourself that you are learning those great um, skills on resiliency and adaptation. And those are soft skills that are really, really important in today's market, especially when you're having to learn new things on the job that you maybe haven't had exposure to in school because it's it's unique to that job. I think being able to adapt is, is definitely something that will serve you in your career. So thank you for sharing that, Corey. So we're going to move to Jamie next. One thing we constantly share with students is that their technical skills and soft skills matter when it comes to their future careers. Your digital Alberta bio talks about how you're known for taking charge of a situation and demonstrating valuable leadership qualities, which is a great soft skill. From your perspective, what role do you think soft skills play in career success, especially in a competitive job market like we're in right now? And how can students develop those skills while they're a student? I think the area of soft skills is so important, but also a little bit underrated. We don't think about them enough. But I see soft skills as being the people skills, social skills, our communication skills, our character and personality traits and attributes, things like awareness, communication, teamwork, humility, leadership skills, persuasion, working under pressure, all those fun things. But I think in order to develop soft skills, we need to have certain traits like self-reflection and the ability to listen to others and read a room, the ability to um, develop empathy others and also I think you can really learn something from everyone but in terms of how you can develop that as a student I think even everybody rolls their eyes at uh, group work but I think honestly you can learn so much from group work even if you are in a group that's not very great and develop soft skills around conflict resolution and yeah, working with multiple different personalities. And Corey, I also Corey mentioned before, I think really like developing soft skills, you get those from experience too. Corey mentioned the importance of volunteering and getting involved in your industry, networking, and you will, I think, naturally develop soft skills through doing all of that. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. And I know that you are a fairly recent member to Digital Alberta. So you talked about mm -hmm. volunteering and saying yes. So what made you say yes to the opportunity? I'm sure you're already very busy with your full-time job, but you still wanted to get involved. Yeah, I wanted to get involved. And I also, one thing I forgot to mention, I think one thing that really helps develop soft skills is putting yourself um, in situations that make you uncomfortable like joining a board, volunteering, meeting new people, just joining an organization, even if you don't know anybody, showing up, putting yourself out there, volunteering for things, um, meeting people, and they'll get to know you. So yeah, I think just making yourself uncomfortable. Did I answer your question, Nicole? I think I kind of lost it. Yeah, like why you got involved <laughs> with Digital Alberta, which for you, it could have been similar to what you just said around the growth opportunity and getting mm -hmm. people. Yeah, and staying on top of the technology and like industry in Alberta too. I mean, it's so interesting how many different areas in Alberta the uh, development of technology affects. And I think it's like really integral to our future economy. And I would like to stay on top of it and know what's going on. So that was another reason, but definitely just to get more involved in the board and um, uh, board world, get some experience with that. and make myself a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's great. I believe it was Corey who said that one thing he tried to do, I think it might've been in just a conversation before the panel, but just always saying yes, even if it does make you uncomfortable because that's how you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. And for some of the events as part of Career Month, I've reached out to professionals that have worked for like 30 plus years and they were uncomfortable saying yes because they don't love public speaking. But they still said yes, because they know it's an opportunity to just grow and to learn. And I think that that's a really good mindset to have is just that, that lifelong learning. So I think yeah. that's great. For sure. Yeah. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. And I also like how you shared, like just staying on top of industry trends was another reason you wanted to get involved with Digital Alberta. Before the panel kicked off, I was talking to the panelists just about the importance of networking. And I think oftentimes when you hear networking, you think this can help me get a job, which yes, networking can eventually lead to jobs. But another great benefit of networking is that you do stay on top of industry trends and you have people to converse with who are trying new things so you can really learn from one another. Um, And I imagine in the digital environment, things are changing all the time. Um, I know even just like communication specialists at the start of COVID, I really felt for anyone working in a communications role because daily messaging was changing. Um, And we've even seen that at eight. Anytime the government rolls out a new message, we're having to respond to that. So having Mm -hmm. people who truly understand the work you do, I think would be a benefit of of getting involved with those um, associations and other networking opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Great. Thanks, Jamie. We're now going to move into Tyler. So I've actually known Tyler for quite a few years. Uh, Him and I used to work together at McEwen. And one thing I've always admired about Tyler is he does a really great job of branding. So whether he's developing a personal brand for himself or a brand for a company, he just knocks it out of the park every time. So in a competitive job market, obviously having a strong brand is important as it's what's helping you stand out. So what tips would you have for attendees around building their own brand? Thanks, Nicole. Um, I have three tips that I want to share that came to mind. And I often think about branding from uh, all my experiences with larger institutions. So that's usually my first perspective. But I think each of these tips has uh, applications in your personal brand as well. The first one is to think about who you're talking to. Who is your audience? Something we do at ATV is called building personas, where we do a bunch of research and we really understand these are the four or five kinds of people we're, we're really talking to. This is what they're interested in. This is the social medias that they like to talk on. But an easy way to do that in your own work or for, your own, for yourself is to imagine the person you're trying to impress. Uh, is it your mom? Is it a potential boss? Is it a friend of yours? And imagine that person and try to speak in a way that uh, that you think is relevant to them. So you can sort of uh, informally develop your own personas uh, when you're trying to answer the question, who am I talking to? The next one is the importance of authenticity. Um, being true to who you really are or what your brand truly is. Understanding uh, you know, how to be a human, how to talk like a human, how to be truthful about what you still have to learn. Uh, And it's funny, the way to do this authenticity is often right under your your nose. A story I like to tell is when we started a Snapchat account at McEwen University, I had no idea to use Snapchat. Uh, It was the first time I really felt old. Uh, And I, I had to learn how to use this new system. So I started posting a snap every day of my coworker and desk mate, Ryan, where I just said, what are you up to today, Ryan? And posted a snap. And I thought nothing of it. I was learning how to use this new medium. I was developing a strategy for the university until Ryan got recognized in West Edmonton Mall twice. And he start, and when I stopped posting about him, I got about 20 or 30 comments saying, what's Ryan doing today? The answer to like the, this, this mundane, authentic thing that I was doing every day, which is saying, how are you doing to my buddy at work, was the answer to authenticity in my own personal brand, and I had no idea. Uh, and I encourage folks all the time, take a look at what's around you and try to find, find your Ryan, uh, whether it's a quirky thing about your company or something silly that your dog does, uh, the answers might surprise you. The last thing I wanted to share is about purpose. Uh, Great brands are more than just a person. They're more than just a company or a product or a business. Great brands have a why. They have a reason to exist. I encourage you consider your role in society. Consider how you're trying to make your corner of the world a better place. Uh, Tell the story of why uh, you're doing the things you're doing and why you're interested in the things you're doing. Uh, And there's no better time to be doing that than right now as we stare down the the pandemic this summer at ATB, uh, which is, of course, a financial institution. And most of our experiences with financial institutions are boring or stuffy or even scary or embarrassing. 
you know, we decided to tackle uh, a different challenge, which was uplifting Albertans, that we recognized we had this special place because we're a financial institution that only exists in this province. We had a responsibility and a authentic desire and drive to try to make our province a better place in one of its darkest chapters. And we started a project called uh, Goodness Grows, uh, which was all about just uplifting Albertans, um, you know, helping arts festivals that we had, we were longtime sponsored of, sponsors of to transition into digital, helping, uh, you know, making targeted donations uh, for folks who needed it the most. Um, these are things that, uh, you know, not every financial institution is thinking first, well, how can we keep one of the largest fringe festivals in the world from going under? But to me, it's a place where we had an opportunity to live uh, or, or to be a brand with purpose. And to me, that is, uh, it makes our brand all the more powerful. So we had uh, decide who you're talking to, just discover your authenticity, find your Ryan, and think about what's your purpose, what's your why. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. And just in terms of brand, I mean, we talked a bit about LinkedIn with Chris earlier, and I think we have talked a bit about networking. I know Steve and Aaron will probably talk a bit more about networking shortly here. But what role does having a personal brand for yourself play in networking from your perspective? Yeah, to me, it's a way that I can, I would say that my personal brand is largely about trying to connect and truly learn from others. How, what opportunities do I have to share expertise to, uh, to, to you know, help other people learn from all of the terrible mistakes that I've made in my career, uh, but also uh, to learn from others. Uh, and I think that, that that honesty is what networking is all about. You know, it's important to be meeting people, but also it's important to be learning from people and, and hopefully uh, to be sharing the things that you're learning. Great. Thanks, Tyler. And I don't know if any of the panelists can relate to this, but I know when I've gone to networking events, I very rarely remember the elevator pitch that someone gave to me, but I remember their approach. So I remember if they were actively listening, if they were asking questions, if they were being respectful, if they were showing curiosity. And I think that sometimes students do get really stressed out about having that perfect elevator pitch and what do I say? And that sometimes causes just a lot of anxiety about even going to the networking event when really it's that brand and it's how you're portraying yourself and how you're going about the conversation. That is what people remember. And when you think about who you want to be and who you want to meet and incorporate that into who you are and how you interact, I think that's what's going to help you make those connections. I love that. I love, you know, engaging with genuine curiosity, like really actually, uh, you know, knowing a little bit about the work of folks you want to meet and really, you know, asking some questions or, uh, or trying to learn more about it, um, I think is a, a really honest way to go about it. Yeah. And that can definitely help inform your brand as well, because when you're thinking of a brand for yourself, something we've talked about um, in our area is almost reverse engineering your career. So where do you want to end up? And what skills do you need to have to get there? And then if you talk to people and you ask those questions and you find those mentors and you make those meaningful relationships, you're going to be more informed to do all of those things, which can help you develop that stronger brand for yourself. Boy, I should get some career advice from you sometime, Nicole. <laughs> we can set up a virtual coffee later, Tyler. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to move to um, Aaron next. So we're going to talk a little bit about volunteering and networking. So we did have some questions submitted by students just around not being comfortable volunteering or networking in person due to COVID. So I think that's totally valid. One, it's difficult to do with COVID, but then also you might not feel safe doing so, and that's completely fair. When they expressed these concerns, they mentioned that they were concerned about how this could impact their chances of finding work in the future. So I'm curious if you have any perspective on this or advice to share around volunteering and networking amidst COVID. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. So um, my background is, is <laughs> uh, storage. So you know, having that volunteer experience and being able to go out outside of your comfort zone, um, you know, is essential. So I would say, you know, don't pick just the volunteer opportunities that are just relevant to your career. But, you know, as Corey said, it's not a straight path. You've got to really just take on things outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, who knows who you're going to meet, right? So with the current situation, it's not as easy to go and do some 
hands-on volunteering. So um, when I came over to Canada uh, from England back in uh, 2007, we didn't, obviously I didn't have this COVID thing, but you know, who I met through that, you know, doing stage management through theater, it, it was awesome to, to, to have that and, and, and talk to people and also connect with people who I wasn't really aiming to connect with. But I use the, the volunteering to really kind of sell what I do and be excited uh, about it. So when I first came, I, I was doing things like stage management, uh, doing lighting design, and I didn't know anything about theater at all. And um, it was, you know, it was, it was really cool because um, I pushed myself to do those things and I had no idea where I was going. I did apply for my first game job back in, in 2007 when I arrived and nobody even looked at my resume. So what I would say is, you know, whatever the current conditions are, you know, don't be discouraged. There's always opportunities out there. And especially now when everybody's working from home, I mean, everybody's uh, in their house. I think, you know, we're looking for that human connection, right? So I think more than ever, because we're, we're lacking a lot of that social aspect, there's definitely opportunity to reach out to people through the correct methods, of course. I would recommend going to things like studio heads or you know, the, the correct channels, don't go around cold calling. Cold calling is never good. You're unlikely, in my experience anyway, you're unlikely to get a positive response out of that as, as Steve has, uh, has seen before. I would say definitely reach out to the heads of studio if that's what you're interested in or whichever head of department. Go through the proper channels and you'll be surprised at who comes back and who is willing to talk to people. I know that I've had two people uh, that was referred by um, our studio manager uh, to me saying, hey, do you want to, would you like to talk to this person uh, about, um, you know, the games industry and, and, and audio? And I was like, yeah, sure, I could make time for that. You know, I love talking to people. You know, it's nice to take a break from this technical thing that I do every day on the computer screen and, and actually reach out to people and hopefully make a difference in their life. So, yeah, come and talk to people, reach out, and um, you, you never know what's going to come back. I hope, hopefully I give some good advice to those people. But, but what I'm saying is, you know, don't commit yourself to a specific thing. Like don't, I know you might have uh, an idea in your head where you would want to be. I am now a game designer, a gameplay designer, which is not what I studied for. I've got a, a diploma in sound design and a degree in music. And I got into design through volunteering through my work. So even in the position I was in, I was able to go, you know, someone came to me and said, hey, do you mind helping out design with this particular thing? And then all of a sudden, I was leading a whole aspect of, of the game. So uh, don't be shy. Reach out to the proper channels. And uh, yeah, that's, that's some of the advice I have right now. Perfect. Thank you. And in terms of volunteering, so obviously in-person volunteering, there's fewer opportunities available now just with COVID. Do you have any suggestions on finding virtual volunteer opportunities or ways to virtually gain experience if you're new into this particular area of work? Yeah. So a lot of what uh, I do in, in, in digital is, as I said, is at my, my computer. So I'm quite happy talking to people via Zoom meetings now. For volunteer opportunities, I would say, you know, you're in an educational institution right now. You have lots of avenues, uh, you know, talk to career services, reach out, because I think that people are scared, almost scared of reaching out for some reason. I would say just go to career services and say, hey, I really want to get involved with something. It might not be exactly what I was expecting to get involved with, but just do it. And what you will gain from that, I think uh, you'll be surprised at what you gain from that. Yeah, I think you make a good point about just seeking those opportunities and making it known that you're open to those opportunities. So just a personal example, I work with a realtor doing social media marketing, and I've been doing that for about two years now. Um, and it kind of just fell in my lap, to be honest. So social media was something I was always interested in. Uh, my younger brother was playing hockey and had made it to provincials. So I decided to just participate on their committee and do the social media posts for provincials. Through that, I met the realtor. Her son played with my brother and she had a need for social media marketing for her business. It was something she didn't understand. She didn't have time to do. And through that, it led to me getting hired. And like I said, I've been working with her for, for two years now. And I think that that's the thing to remember too, is your network does include your friends and your family. So if you're interested in getting into a particular line of work, 
ask the people that you already know if they know anyone that does that type of work. And then Erin mentioned, you might ask them if you can connect through Zoom for a coffee chat, um, or maybe there's someone that they then know that they can introduce you to. So definitely recognize that there still are opportunities to volunteer and network despite our current situation. So do you have anything else to add at all, Erin? Yeah, just to follow up, Nicole, uh, I said, reach out. I think, yeah, 100% engagement on my end of the two people, I spoke with both of them. And yeah, look for opportunities. And it's, a, it's the best way. It's a really good opportunity to sell what you do and what you're good at. Now, even though that you might be trying to sell one aspect of yourself while you're doing volunteer work, some people might see something else in you that you didn't realize you had. And all of a sudden, you're down this wonderful path and you get all these opportunities. So yeah, just do it. I like it. Quoting Nike. That's great. <laughs> okay, so last but not least, we're going to move into a question for Steve. And again, it's a little bit lengthy. So when I read Steve's bio, I was impressed by his career journey. As prior to completing Nate's digital media and IT diploma in game design, he completed a Bachelor of Technology in Aeronautical Engineering, trained as a pilot officer, and gained experience in Alberta's forestry and mining industries. His first experience related to the digital media and IT diploma was at BioWare, which is an impressive place to start in the industry. So I'm wondering, Steve, if you have any advice for our attendees on getting their foot in the door with large companies such as BioWare. Awesome. Thanks a lot for the question. Uh, and a great question it is. And I, I hope I don't bring things down too far because this is a question that has some kind of hard truths tied to it as well. But uh, bear with me. It'll get better in the end, I promise. So uh, as you can see there, my, my path to game dev was a, a pretty wandering one, a fairly eclectic path, similar to, uh, to Aaron's and, uh, and other people in the panel here. So I'd echo that advice that don't assume that what you take in school is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's very unlikely that that's true. So be ready for those opportunities. So there's two major things that I'd like to pass on, not just from my time with DMIT and, and game dev, but my previous history with uh, the other careers that I've been in to maybe help people navigate joining uh, very popular industries. So number one, know your competition. They sit beside you right now. They're in other schools. They're in other states. And now with remote work and COVID, suddenly uh, it's a global reality and your competition is all over the world. One of the lessons that I learned while I was at Nate was that you need to trust that you can learn something that you put the effort in. I did not think I could draw. I never did. I envied those people in school who could draw. I thought they were gifted. But that's really unfair to those people. To reduce the entirety of their ability to a gift is extremely unfair to them. They earned that skill through practice and hard work. And the example goes on where I I joined the character design class at Nate. And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be rough. I'm going to be surrounded by all these gifted artists and, and I'm going to be stick figuring my way through this class. Now, sure, some people have an affinity to art and music and design, but they aren't, they aren't born that way. They just love it, and they tend to do it a lot more than somebody who feels like they can't do it. And you'll see those people in the Nate hallways in the digital areas. They're always sitting down with a notebook and a pencil out. They're always drawing. That's why they're good drawers. So when I started the, game, the, the character design class, I was, I was pretty worried about it, but it wasn't the case. Uh, when I was taught to disconnect my brain from what a nose looks like, and simply absorb the shape that the eye sees and put it onto paper. Before I knew it, I had portfolio pieces that I'm actually pretty proud of even today. And I never thought that was possible. So my first thing is to to know that what school is for and that you're there to learn things that you maybe didn't even think you were capable of. So why am I telling you this? Ultimately in school, you're, you're learning how to learn. And some distance from what you've been comfortable knowing is healthy especially when chasing better fundamental understanding of things. Also admitting when you've believed something incorrect is an extremely healthy thing for your attitude in learning things. Your competition is working really hard. They're not just completing their diploma. They're not just completing their diploma with good grades. Your competition is completing their diploma and doing a whole bunch of other things to make sure they stand out in front of the crowd because there's a lot of people applying to these popular positions. So the diploma gets you a line on your resume and it prepares you for the learning ahead. It doesn't qualify you for the job, it starts the conversation. It demonstrates your ability to respect deadlines, respect punctuality, work in teams, receive guidance, tick fundamental boxes showing your ability to work under and alongside other people, to demonstrate humility such that you can admit that you don't know everything and that you're keen to learn. So the important question here is, 
what are you doing to stand out against 200 other applicants? Number two, know your audience. Recruiters are not spending very long absorbing your resume cover letter. It is not unusual for us to receive 200 applications for a position at studios in Edmonton for entry-level positions. Recruiters do not have the time to read every single line of those applications. So while you can guarantee that your application will be seen, you need to know what the recruiter is looking for. This skill is key in many areas of communication. Every time you write something, you need to be asking yourself who your audience is. Are you using the correct language? Are you getting across the important points and not burying it in fluff that doesn't maybe matter? So look at the, look at the position you're applying for. Let's, let's pick an example and say we'll go for a, a QA tester position. The recruiter is gonna glance through your resume and look for a couple of high points. They're gonna be interested in applicable education and applicable experience. So how you write your resume can be forever argued and in format and how it's best to do it. And, but you need to make sure that the re recruiter is seeing the relevant and recent experience and education immediately, because that's what they're looking for. For example, a line explaining how you actively tested and debugged a game that you built at a game jam is far more important for this job than a summer job at Best Buy is. So you need to know your audience. If a question on the application asks about your testing experience, and the only testing experience you have is closed alphas and betas, then you would best mention that because that is the applicable experience you have. We know that not every applica applicant has professional AAA testing experience, but if you show that you've taken extra time to apply and learn skills related to the position you're applying for, that expresses your interest and your experience to the recruiting team. Realize that even if you get all of these things right, you still might not get the callback. What's important here is that you persist and you continue to improve the things that are going to get you that callback. Not getting a callback is pretty common. It's never personal. Recognize that this is also part of the chase. Your persistence and your ability to look for feedback, learn and adapt is part of your learning process. Be persistent. Each application is an opportunity to learn more. Be aware that recruiters will notice when somebody went to school for game design and had done nothing for two years since that, uh, that even remotely relates to the field. So I'm not saying that you need to stay in school so you've got relevant education that's recent, but after you finish school, you should perhaps be looking for a job that might give you applicable skills to strengthen that resume. If you can't find that job, then show your continued desire to grow and learn by telling us about things that you continue to do in your cover letter, like game jams, online courses, alpha beta testing, and bug writing. So finally, I'd like to end with communication skills, echoing what a lot of people have said today. Uh, it's extremely important. After all of this, if you are good enough to beat out hundreds of applicants and get a chance to talk to the, the team in an interview, now the real challenge begins. You don't get hours and days to hone your words and to raise your sharp lines in your cover letter. Now you're on the spot. Do you get nervous public speaking? If so, you need to do more of it. Look to join Toastmasters, take classes, just do it. It's going to be vitally important for your career, not just the interview, that you are comfortable speaking to potentially hundreds of people. Practice with people. Standing in front of the mirror is a good way to get confident with your content, but you need to get that, that feeling, that feeling that even I have right now, that little kind of patter in your chest, a little bit of adrenaline. You've got to get comfortable with that. When it's just two or three people in an interview, you might get hired based on your ability to be comfortable, to be thoughtful, prepared, and confident. Do some research. Know what the company is making. Know what they've made in the past. You don't need to name drop in the interview. Your authenticity is important. But you should know these things, not just because it might come up in the interview, but this is a job you're going to do. You should know these things. If you feel like it would be helpful, um, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn afterwards if you would like to do some mock interview practice or if there's some way that I can help you through networking. So how did I do it? What's, what's the big secret? How, how did I get through the door and into Bioware? Uh, there's, there's a little bit of luck involved. Entry level positions in the game industry aren't exactly floating around all the time, especially in Alberta. So you need to be in the right place at the right time, but you also need to be in the right place at the right time doing things to a high standard with the best skill set available for that position. For me, that meant taking the QA course at Nate extremely seriously and studying it a lot more than the other classes. I was searching out more information beyond the course syllabus so that when the time came for the interview, I had the right answers. I knew the right terminology and I had a very strong understanding of game dev QA process to talk to the team. 
For me, that meant having a strong capstone to speak to, as well as two other out-of-school game projects that I was working with while I was in school, so that I could show that I already had experience and results to show for it. For me, that meant leaning on my years of being an officer in the military to have a strong, confident communication style in the interview with the knowledge of the field to back it up from my education and my experience in game dev and QA before I graduated NAME. So in conclusion, know your competition. How are you the best applicant out of 200? What have you done to stand above the rest? Know your audience. How well can you communicate with the team? You have a very short window of access to the recruiter and the team. How are you going to make sure that every word counts so that they know you are the best applicant for the job and someone who they want to work with? Hone your communication skills, know what the company is looking for, and show them through your extra effort that you are, have more of those skills and experiences than the rest. Thanks. This episode is being brought to you by Spontively, an app that helps connect people to their communities based on their interests, location, and availability. Download Spontively on iOS or Android today. That's S-P-O-N-T-I-V-L-Y. Because building communities in the real world is a universal human need. For more information, go to spontively.com. really, really like about this panel is um, even though we didn't meet beforehand to talk about what we were going to um, discuss today and what the answers were going to be, like there's a lot of overlap. So some of the things you talked about, Steve, tied into what Tyler was saying with the persona, like knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. Um, there's a lot of overlap with the soft skills, with the networking. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, of really great information that's being shared by all of you. So thank you so much. I'm going to open it up to questions now. So if you do have questions, you can post them in the chat. Um, while I'm waiting for questions to come in, I'm actually going to get us started um, with a question. So Steve had talked a little bit about the importance of standing out. Um, and I think a way to stand out, a way to network, a way to constantly learn and gain industry knowledge is to go to conferences. So Chris, I'm gonna have you briefly talk a little bit about merging realities. And then I'm also gonna open it to the entire panel to share any conferences they like, podcasts they like, websites they learn from you. But Chris, I know you're involved with merging realities. So I'll let you speak to that quickly. Sure, and before I do that, I just wanted to do a shout out to Tyler, who was involved in the uh, Social at Home event earlier this year with Mike Morrison. That's an amazing event. I highly recommend it, especially if you're going into the communications field. It was a really big uh, highlight. Um, I got to speak at it a few years ago, but just attending it this year, even with it being completely online, it was really uh, a powerful opportunity to network with a lot of great people across the province in Western Canada. So. Uh, switching gears though to merging realities, yeah, Lethbridge College, it's really neat how in the last few years um, we've been able to create a one-year certificate program uh, almost right out of thin air and it really lent to some of the talented uh, employees that I work with at Lethbridge College where there was this great passion for virtual reality in all its forms and so we had some interest from like multimedia, from journalism, from the virtual reality perspective, and kind of like merged all these ideas together. And <laughs> useful that I use that word, but uh, it was this virtual reality conference. It was actually the first in the world, and we um, invited a lot of prominent speakers in the in the space to to join us for that day to share their expertise. And um, we're planning to host it again, probably in March of next year. But uh, if you're interested in virtual reality and and that sector. Uh, it's, it's a really great opportunity to meet with students who are creating some work. Uh, so it's, it's a great opportunity to see if you're interested in going into even a career and starting to build out your skills um, or to just hear from some great speakers in, in the virtual reality and augmented reality space. So um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun over the last couple of years. And uh, from there, if you, if you have uh, more questions, I'm, I'm happy to uh, chat about them. So thanks. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Um, Tyler, I don't know if you're actually still involved with it, but I know you were for a while. Can you speak to um, iMedia at all? Yeah, absolutely. iMedia is a conference here in Edmonton all about social and digital marketing. Uh, 
it's the first conference that I spoke at, and I know they're always looking for new uh new folks to share their expertise i've seen some students that i worked with get chances to speak there and you know getting those opportunities to get up in front of people um that you know steve mentioned how important that is just to practice and get comfortable with it uh you know i'll always be grateful for that opportunity uh especially now that i do a lot more speaking um it's a great conference i learn something every time i learn things that i don't expect and uh, i think that's what conferences are, are really amazing for it's that moment where you take the time for yourself to uh to go learn something and push your boundaries and see what other people are doing and get outside your bubble and uh, i think imedia is a great example of that and thanks chris for mentioning social social west now social at home you know i think that's an incredible conference and again one that I just uh, I just learned so much from each time I attend although the more ATB activates at it the less I have, I have time to go to sessions so at some point I'll have to pull back and actually go learn something. Awesome thanks Tyler. Do any of our other panelists have recommendations on conferences resources? Just right now shout out to Corey Seller who runs Digital Alberta's podcast Project Connection. He does some pretty interesting interviews on there. So if you want to subscribe to that. And then also just with the COVID world that we live in now, the ADCC, which is the Advertising and Design Club of Canada, they've been doing these um, once time every two weeks in conversation with, and they do just interviews with people involved in advertising and communication world in Canada. And they've had some really good interviews from the perspective of career advice and talking about your pathways and how you get in um, your foot in the door and stuff like that. So yeah, I would definitely recommend those. That's great. I love how you're all shouting each other out. There's so much support on the panel. I guess in terms of just kind of on the topic of staying in touch with the community, especially on the technology side, and I know there's sort of crosses with media and communications, uh, I would highly recommend everyone check out Taproot Edmonton with their uh, weekly roundups, mm -hmm. uh, specifically the tech roundup, the media roundup, and just to sort of have a pulse on the, uh, on the local communities of what's happening. Awesome, thanks Corey. Steve or, or Aaron, do you have anything to add at all? I've been thinking this whole time, I'm glad you asked me last, but I still haven't come up with anything. It's, it's not so easy to point to this is where you get all the game news. I, I would think the most valuable things that I would consume on the side would be GDC talks. Um, yeah, absolutely. Get yourself access to GDC talks. It's it's kind of uh, astounding how much incredible knowledge gets puked out on the stage down there and recorded and that you can just uh, absorb. So uh, I think that might be the, be the best resource I would recommend. Okay. Yeah, plus one, plus one, Steve. Awesome. The benefit in addition to learning and networking with all of these different sessions and conferences is you can also post about them on LinkedIn, which is a really good way to stay active and engaged on your profile. So we do have a couple of other questions. So from Rory, um, this may be a long shot, but does anyone have any experience with entrepreneurship, especially through creative processes and design? So Rory is mostly referring to creative entrepreneurship and the branding process. So I guess my biggest question is where does networking relate to innovation and business? I think in terms of like networking, if you're trying to start up a business is, um, um, I don't think there's many people out there that would actually turn you down for a coffee. And like Steve said, he's opening to meeting with people, but I think that would be the case for um, most of the panelists on here. So I think in networking, if you want to start a business, um, maybe there's a lot of entrepreneurship in Edmonton and maybe you could find a business that started grassroots in Edmonton um, and maybe it's related to the business or industry that you want to get into and you can just reach out to them and ask them to have a virtual coffee with you and have a couple of questions prepared and Steve had mentioned like do your research before you go in um, and uh, know who you're talking to and what you want to gain from that conversation. Hayden has asked, as someone that is now finishing the digital marketing certificate course, how do I go about looking into volunteer work when I have no experience in the field? Um, and just so everyone has background on the digital marketing certificate course, it's a course through Con Ed. 
that's pretty high level. Um, so it goes through like pay-per-click, SEO, social media marketing, digital marketing. So for someone who's just leaving a con ed course, what would you recommend Hayden does to get started? Uh, I can jump in first, if that's okay. For me, it was about uh, looking into my community and trying to find more grassroots organizations I could volunteer for. In those organizations, you're more of a generalist, so you can kind of direct how you want to help. And an approach that I took was often trying to communicate right up front, this is what I'd like to do as a volunteer for you. So uh, while I might be willing to take on other tasks, I'd like to sharpen my social media saw, I'd like to be writing blogs for you. And then you can kind of have a conversation right off the hop of, is that help you need? Is that a place that you know would be valuable and find the right fit for you? But looking for those organizations where you're a bit of a generalist and can shape your own future was, was a good approach for me. Uh, for example, like hyper-local music festivals or, um, uh, you know, all my experiences in the arts world. When I imagine there's a lot of um, companies right now who would be really thankful for that support just because a lot of companies have had to move a lot of their services online with COVID. So they might be looking for more support with like their website or with advertising or social media. And if you were willing to provide that um, free of charge and volunteer and gain that experience, you probably would have some luck with that. So thanks, Tyler. Any other thoughts? I would probably recommend students, recent grads, check out local co-working spaces where there's various different businesses from one person entrepreneurs to a small little team, co-working spaces, including Homestead co-working, Startup Edmonton, Unit B, and Roundhouse, places like that, uh, to see if maybe there's an opportunity there on a volunteer aspect. Uh, I know there has there's quite a few different marketing communications, digital marketing, boutique agencies as well, and things like that. So that's that could be an option potentially as well. Maybe creating a demo reel of some of the capabilities that you have. It's a great way to just add that either if you have your own website or to post it on somewhere like LinkedIn. Um, that's a great way to just showcase your skills. But again, uh, like Tyler and Corey have said, volunteering, if you can get on a board or an organization, or if there's an organization you'd love to help out and you could see how your skills fit in with how you could pitch to them and and just even do it on a volunteer basis. And then it builds out your portfolio and your resume. And from there and then on, you can start establishing, okay, this is the amount of time I spent on this. This is how much I can charge and start doing it maybe as a part-time gig and then start building it. And you build your network until hopefully it becomes your full-time gig. Perfect. Thank you. We do have the Maji Center at Nate. They have a ton of different great programs to support Nate students with entrepreneurship, including an entrepreneur in residence program. So we actually have business leaders who work with student entrepreneurs to support them with business advice, feedback on your business model or plan, fleshing out ideas. There's even some investment and funding available. So that's definitely something I would take advantage of as a NEED student. They have a ton of awesome sessions that take place throughout the semester. Uh, can I jump in to also shout out the ACB Entrepreneur Centers? We have four dedicated branches in Edmonton, Calgary, Grand Prairie and Lethbridge with a ton of free digital programming. There's communities, there's meet and greets. Uh, there are team members who are not just bankers, but entrepreneurs, strategists you can access for free. So the Maji Center, I didn't know about that's an incredible resource, but you have another one that has a lot of free of charge services um, in South Edmonton. Perfect, thanks Tyler. We have a question for Steve specifically. So I know you talked about the importance of taking a very targeted approach with your resume and cover letter, but does it ever help to highlight the breadth of experience you have and particularly for people who have made a career change? Yeah, thanks for the question. I, I think I'm I'm kind of uniquely positioned to answer that. Just my, my history is, is pretty weird. I did two years with the Australian Air Force doing a Bachelor of Technology in Aeronautical Engineering and flying F-18s. And then I moved to Canada and I cut down trees on a Timberjack 1270 harvester for two years. I then drove the largest haul trucks in the world at Lake Wobman for 11 years. And then I went back to school at 35 and decided to do game design. So by no means did I leave those things off my resume, for sure. They were there. I think the important thing is, is uh, how their relevance applied to my resume. So the first thing that somebody read on my resume when I applied to Bioware was Nate Game Design Diploma. 
the second and third and fourth were those things, but they were very simple lines. They were pilot officer, Australian Defense Force, Bachelor of Technology, Aeronautical Engineering, pilot and leadership training. That was it, two lines. It, it applies and it matters. So when I was at Bioware, when, when I was doing my second round of interviews, the art director kind of mentioned to me, he was talking about my interesting history. And I said, yeah, I know I don't, I don't have a very typical kind of, you know, way of getting into game design. It's a bit weird. And he's like, no, don't, don't sell yourself short. I don't want to hire a hundred people who are fresh out of VCAT. Your experience has value you have life experience that's going to apply. And um, I am not kidding when I say that my time cutting trees has applied to game design. I can uh, inform people when they're building a, a tree where it's usually cut because of how logging works. Like it's, it's funny how all of your experience will apply. So don't discredit anything that you've done before. It doesn't necessarily mean it needs to drop off your resume. Just, just kind of weight it properly, but don't, don't throw it away. It all matters. To me, your resume, your cover letter are the opportunity to tell the story of how your varied experience prepares you for this job. And, you know, you'll learn things that you, you can never expect how they'll, they'll show up in your work. Um, I did a bunch of work in like feminist theory in my English degree, and it turns out that that's been one of the most useful things that I could have possibly taken into my career as I go into leadership. I, I, I could not have seen that coming. And yeah, when you're writing that cover letter, when you're putting that short line under, you know, you can highlight the leadership that you gained at that summer camp job. You can highlight the, 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 the collaborative uh, work that you did in that group project, because all of those skills will make you better at the job you're applying for. That's it for this episode of Project Connection. Thank you so much for listening. If you know someone or a group that we should raise awareness of, email us at podcast at digitalalberta.com. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating or comment. And don't forget to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. Have fun and stay safe. From Digital Alberta, I'm Corey Seller. <laughs>